0: This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Welcome to episode 301. You
1: know, one of my favorite aviators is Dean Showalter, and that's because of his passion for aviation. Dean is an aviation educator, podcaster, and you know, he's basically an all-around nice guy. In a recent episode of his podcast, he discussed the most challenging approach and asked the question, what's the most interesting or out-of-the-ordinary instrument approach you've seen recently? You know, I thought it'd be really cool if we could have Dean on the show and discuss those approaches with some of the listeners and have some of our co-hosts talk about those approaches. I'm really excited to have Dean on and uh, welcome to the show, Dean. This is so awesome to have you on, on Stuck Mike.
2: Well, thank you so much. It is such a privilege to be here with you guys. I've listened to you guys on many past episodes talking through all kinds of things and it's been really fun. So it feels kind of surreal to be here with you guys. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's this it's is really it's a, a pleasure and an honor to have you on just all the work that you do on your podcast. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to get to that as far as the podcast he does. But before we get started, let's say hi to our other co-host uh, today. We have uh, Tom Frick joining us from uh, northern Florida and Bill English. Gosh, Bill, I, uh, I kind of lost track of you. Uh, you're, I think you're in Florida today. I'm not sure. No, no, you're up north today. So welcome. Good to see you guys.
3: Hey, I am I am at the Avocado Ranch I'm down here in Florida. Oh, today. Oh,
1: okay, the Avocado Ranch, and uh, Tom is still up in North Florida. But anyway, uh, welcome, and it's so exciting to have you here. Let's do the pre-flight. But before we start, also a quick shout-out I wanted to make. We have a program coordinator here who has never been on the show, but you may have seen him before because he actually runs an air show down in Punta Gorda, and uh, it's the Florida International Air Show, and his name is Matt Len. And he just, a couple hours ago, he just finished his commercial pilot certificate. So welcome to a new commercial pilot, Matt Lynn. Uh, Congratulations on that. We really appreciate everything he has done and people are clapping right there. We'll have to put some of that clapping in the background. So awesome, Matt, Uh, great job. And thanks so much for what you do for the podcast. There's so many people behind the scenes. He is somebody that goes unrecognized very often and we wanna kind of change that right now. So thanks again, Matt. Also a shout out to our sponsor. Remember the sponsors, uh, they give away the scholarships guide. Uh, And all of our sponsors, when they do a sponsorship, they give away a minimum of 50 of those. Our sponsor for this episode is called Tailwind Waymakers, and they're a nonprofit organization. And they were founded to help fund aviation dreams, just like ours. So whether you could use some help funding your aviation training, or you want to win a new airplane, check out tailwindwaymakers.org. You can use the coupon code tailwindwaymakers and get a free scholarships guide while supplies last. And you can click on Aviation Careers Podcast, dot com slash scholarships or com slash scholarships remember those scholarships for all sorts of people not just people that are career oriented now entering cruise flight again uh i introduced him in the beginning all-around great guy awesome podcast uh dean Schollwalter. dean uh welcome again and tell us a little bit first about the podcast and then we'll go into you know why we're talking today Well, the podcast
2: is called Airplane Owner Maintenance, and so I started out talking about lots of different issues that I encountered working in the shop at Classic Aviation, where I worked full-time for 28 years, and I discovered through the years that I really enjoyed telling people about the issues that I had discovered and how we had troubleshot different things and how we fixed things and what was involved and i've always enjoyed i've always enjoyed working with airplane owners and so starting the podcast just launched me into a whole new thing that i had no idea that there were all these amazing people out there like carl valery and and you other guys here and so many around the country so it's been really fun the way it has put me in touch with uh, aviators aviators and aviation lovers of all kinds around the country. So I've really enjoyed that whole process very much.
1: And, uh, airplane owner maintenance is, uh, basically what it's all about is, uh, what you can do is, uh, in maintenance wise as an airplane owner and beyond and beyond that. And some really cool courses that you have on there. So make sure you go check that out. I'm going to have a link in the show notes. So make sure you check out the airplane owner maintenance podcast. Uh, so you, you bang it out of the park on some of those episodes, but, uh, one of the recent episodes was really interesting and uh, kind of reached out to me on this as far as as the approaches. And it, it hit home for me because I fly this approach often. So tell us a little bit about uh, you know why we're talking today about what's the most challenging approach that you introduced in your show. Yes. Well, the way that came up was I have
2: a new flying job. I accepted a job flying a king air 350 last year and carl I, want to, I just want to thank you for all the good counsel you gave me on that to help me get started with all that well you're more than welcome and, and congratulations by the way thank you i appreciate that But it's been a breath of fresh air, really. I wanted to fly more, and this opening came up, and so I went to training and got my type rating in the King Air 350, and we always have two pilots in the airplane, which is great. I think that's a really great way to fly that airplane. And the way this particular approach came up was it was the end of December of last year, we took a trip to JFK and it was a nice clear VFR morning but we flew the RNAV GPS Zulu runway 13 left approach into JFK and so we came in on this approach and landed and did this big long taxi after we landed to go from one side of the airport clear over to the other side and it was it was such a, a complex thing really to to do this approach, but then to also navigate all the the movement from one side of the airport to the other to get to the FBO, where it seems like they're not really used to many King Airs coming in there. It's mostly airline traffic. And so there we were, one of the few uh, relatively small airplanes there that day. And after I got home from that trip, I started digging into this approach because I wanted to understand it more. And what I discovered was that the missed approach, for example, to me was fairly complex. It says, and by the way, there's a limitation which didn't really—it wasn't a big factor for us in the King Air—but it says, "Do not exceed 210 knots until CYCav," and it said, "Climb to 4,000 on the FMS lateral path to runway 13 left, then direct CYCav," and then it goes on after that, and I. At first, I was going, okay, what exactly does that mean to uh, climb to 4,000 on the FMS lateral path to runway 13 left? And what I discovered was it just means fly the path that's depicted there. But the key was, for me, it it was a real eye-opener when I realized that the missed approach point is LISA, L-E-I-S-A. And at that point, at the missed approach point, we are still about... 90 degrees from the landing runway. And I just thought that was kind of a crazy thing. But then I realized that you have to break out by that point. So you are flying visual after that. And then another really cool thing about this approach is that it says cross Lisa, which is the uh, missed approach point, fly visual to the airport via lead in lights to runway one three left. It says close adherence to flight track required for noise abatement. And so I was digging into this and learning a whole bunch of things about it, which was uh, it was a real it was a great experience, really, to learn a lot more about this approach. And so that's when I sent an email out. the people that are on my email list and and carl that's probably when you got that email and you responded to it and a, a number of other people responded and it was really fun because i enjoy these discussions back and forth and i was getting airline pilots telling me yeah i flew that many times in the 747 and one guy said he flew it in a whole bunch of different models of airplanes models of airliners which was truly amazing and then um that, that was just really fun to receive all those comments about it. And then I got this one from Carl Valeri, and he said, that is awesome. Did you know my company created the RNP to one three left? And so uh, I was curious to hear about what that was all about.
1: Yeah, it was quite interesting that we wanted to do an RNAV RMP approach uh, into one three left, but to be able to do that approach, uh, we had to share that, we developed it, and we had to share that with all the other operators, which makes sense, right? If you're gonna be doing an approach, everybody else needs to, to know what you're doing. But what's the the real reason, and I think that's kind of the, the why we're talking about this, why in the world would you do this? I mean, there's an ILS there. Why would you even think about doing something like this? And I'll tell you why. Uh, the biggest thing is there's a little airport just uh, just kind of to the north and the west of there, it's called LaGuardia, and, 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 it, and there's another one called Newark, and there's Teterboro, and there's all sorts of traffic that you would actually bump into or make other people get away from if you wanna do the actual straight in approach. So very rarely do we actually do an actual straight in uh, to that runway. So why do we, so? What do we do? We make an R;P approach, but we want to make it so we have maybe a little bit lower minimums, uh, so that we do an RP AR approach, which actually is in addition to this one three uh, uh, approach that we're talking about here, and it's it's really uh, a really cool approach. I'm glad you know, interestingly that you brought this up as far as the missed approach point. If you're going missed on this approach, this is uh, one of the approaches we at the airlines train often because it's so challenging and so cool that you actually did. That's what was so exciting for me is to actually get to see something. I do uh, training at the airlines in the simulator in the Airbus and we do that missed approach. And one of the things that we have to make sure of is number one, we have the ground track. Right, And we follow the ground track, just like you said. You're like, wait a minute, you got a missed approach there at Lisa. What if I do my missed approach before Lisa? What if I I start going missed, where do I go? You follow that ground track, right? And it's going to give you the course guidance, but you also have to do something else, especially if you have a little bit faster airplane, and that's keep those speeds around there. On the r AR, you AR, know, the authorization required type of approach to one three left, you actually have to make sure you're below, depending on the, the type of aircraft, and they're both the same for C&D aircraft, below 165 knots. Uh, so that's another thing you have to do. Not only do you have to go around this curve. You also have to have some guidance as far as the speed and follow some vertical guidance as far as a top altitude that you can go to so a lot of things are happening at once also while you're cleaning up the airplane so i not only was it a very and that was what was so cool dean about you mentioning this is here he's he's talking about this a challenging approach and there's a lot of airline pilots that this is a challenging approach for them and they learn from this and we do this in training often even in recurrent training because of the the fact that it's uh, such a challenge plus the fact that uh that place I work for operates out of there and it's uh, it's a real busy airport so we want to make sure that we can get in but with this approach it it helps so much to help people get into that airport but wasn't that cool though those lead-in lights wasn't that neat? Absolutely. You, seeing them on, yes. on top of the hotels and stuff like that on the way in. And it's so cool watching the 747s kind of doing this approach into the runway. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. So so it's It's a challenge for you. It's a challenge for everybody. And just all these things you have to remember about this uh, as far as, you know, how to go missed and what to do during a missed approach. So absolutely. but uh, But yeah, neat stuff, though. That was awesome. What else did you learn from it, Dean? Well,
2: I wanted to mention about those lead in lights. One guy sent me a video. Of those lights, and I I thought that was pretty cool. So if anybody wants to see it, it's available out there. I think it's a YouTube video, and it actually shows those lead-in lights to one three left. So that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, actually, Dean, I'll have to share that with you. I I, I definitely should take some video of the next time I do that in the simulator, not in the airplane, obviously.
2: Well, another thing I learned was that this used to be a VOR approach. One guy said, "Yeah, that was the old Canarsie VOR approach," and so I. Uh, I guess it was the VOR approach, and then uh, naturally with all the great technology we have with uh, new equipment and FMS systems, it made sense to make an RNAV approach out of it.
1: Well, that's really cool, Dean, That. Uh... Uh, anything else on that approach plate you wanted to point out to people? I know they don't have it in front of us. If there's anything that, that maybe stood out to you that uh, if they get a chance to take a look at this, it's the RNAV uh, Zulu runway 13 left approach.
2: Uh, one thing I noted as I was looking through this for today was that th- this, this approach does not show an initial approach fix. It only shows a SALT which is an intermediate fix. And so that's probably a whole nother discussion as to why that is. And I'm not sure I have the full answer on that, but that was an interesting thing that I saw.
1: Absolutely. Another reason we have radar required for this. So... Uh get you onto that approach. So yes, um, well, and that's kind of another discussion, but that's a great thing to bring up. And and if you uh, have the answer to this, you know, send it in as an email, uh, stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com. But cool stuff, cool, cool stuff. There, Honestly, though, we can go over all sorts of stuff on this approach. I think it's a very exciting approach we could dive really deep into. And if people ever want to hear that, we could definitely do that. But, uh, but awesome, Dean. Anything else before we move on to our next co-host that wants to tell us what their most challenging approach was? I'll just mention one last little thing because i think i
2: asked a local flight instructor about this particular acronym on another approach and and uh, that i don't think that person was familiar with it and i've learned about it just recently that cpdlc on the far right there um, that's uh, i think that's controller pilot data link communications and so i've been digging into that and my understanding is that if it's not urgent communications that controllers and pilots can communicate communicate via text rather than voice so that we can keep the airways kind of clear. But I just thought that was an interesting thing over there.
1: So so just to clarify that, since I, I actually teach CPDLC at the airline, uh, one of the things that we have to realize is it also can be important information that can be directed. Basically, it's text messaging, right? So you can actually send an emergency text Basically, an emergency. If you have an emergency, you can actually press the emergency button using CPDLC. Uh, so it's it's really you get clearances, uh, you get direct twos, you know, changing runways. Uh, it's there's all sorts of stuff they can do with this. As a matter of fact, we had a guest on long time ago who did the first CPDLC flight from getting the clearance, taxi, takeoff, landing, and taxiing to the gate. With CPDLC and never talking to anybody, they didn't do it in the United States, but it was just absolutely phenomenal. It really—that's all it is. It's—it's it's that computer pile, the data link, the—the the, uh, it really is very. It's—it's it's amazing how simple it is and that we haven't been able to use this till fairly recently. But remember, part of the communications is not just sending information, is getting a response. And that's a big part of that CPDLC, is the ability to respond within seconds so that you can actually uh, get that information and actually comply with that, or not com- say you can comply with that information. Uh, but immediate information, you still have to be uh, talking to a controller on uh, most approaches because, uh, but it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, flying over the Atlantic, having CPDLC and asking a controller, hey, can I go right, you know, 20 nautical miles? Uh, just a wonderful thing. But that's cool. Boy, uh, Dean, that is so awesome that you brought that up. Absolutely. Well, you're going to hang around, and we're going to talk a little bit more about some other approaches here. And we're talking mainly about instrument approaches. And if you want to talk somewhat about uh, visual approaches, because you know, visual can start on an I- you're on an IFR plan-, plan that can turn into a visual approach, and some of those can be really challenging. So what do you say we'll go on to? Bill, are you ready for uh, for your most challenging instrument approach that you want to talk about and then maybe point out some really cool things about it?
3: Well, I got, uh, I have a couple, which one do you want to talk about first? So the most fun one, the most fun. Yeah. The most fun one is one that's, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about before. Um, it's kind of close to us here with, uh, the big red flight school up in, uh, the DC area. And that is the VOR or TACAN runway one five approach to Martin state in Baltimore. And that one's very interesting because it's a DME arc all the way to the runway. So you've probably seen approaches now and then. You got your instrument rating. You know you got tortured by your instructor flying DME arcs, right? Remember that? <laughs> to turn 10, twist 10, turn 20, all, all that, right? Flying those arcs. Um, and uh, you always wondered, why, why are we doing this, right? And there's a few approaches out there that have an arc initial segment turns you towards the, um, towards the final approach course. Um, but this one, um, unlike Kennedy, which is using that high tech, uh, GPS RNP and everything to turn you onto final is an old school DME arc all the way around the Baltimore VOR right down to the threshold of the runway at Martin state. Um, so you just fly that constantly curving doing step down fixes across crossing radials or GPS, uh, waypoints if you're lucky enough to have that. And right down. And when you go miss, you climb out and you make another turn and you join another arc and fly that arc around the, uh, the missed approach. So um, really interesting approach. Um, a lot of folks have seen that, uh, fly, it in, uh, fly it in their simulators, you know, Microsoft Flight Simulator or Redbird, whatever. But we're lucky here. Uh, I take uh, students from the Big Red School over there all the time and uh, we get a chance to do that. Um, it can be uh, real challenging, old school. If you're doing this with uh, just a real VOR and a DME, to stay on that arc, you're in the, the Baltimore, Washington terminal area. There's a lot going on. You're right around the edges of a Class Bravo. Um, the more modern GPS is uh, pretty cool. Uh, we get our general aviation version of the uh, RNP AR type of thing with that, where the uh the GPS draws it for you. So... Your HSI stays centered, you just fly your HSI, but you notice your heading just keeps changing and keeps changing and keeps changing until you fly about a quarter of a circle and uh, and there's the runway. So pretty cool. Look that one up. A uh, lot of fun to try something like that. A little challenging, a little bit different. I think it's pretty much the only one that's like that around.
1: What's what's the biggest challenge for most people on this?
3: So with this, one, I mean it's it's the arc in general, right? I mean you're constantly changing heading uh, wherever the wind is. So not only is your heading changing, your wind correction is changing at the same time as you're doing all of this. So you know your descending wind is changing, turning uh, wherever the wind is coming from is you know pushing you inside or outside of the arc, and uh, you know when you do uh, break out or get close to the runway, it's a constantly changing angle. So changing from the instrument environment to the visual environment can be uh, can be very challenging, and it's it's a pretty urban area too. So when you do break out, especially if you're at night. Uh, pretty challenging a lot of lights and everything all around
1: yeah where's that runway Wow well that's cool exactly. that that is really really cool and it was um, a lot of fun so uh, and we uh, we might come back to you for another one but we want to make sure we get through some of these and uh, maybe even talk about some visual approaches after that so why don't we let Tom come up on his neck what his most interesting instrument approach was or uh, most challenging I should say
4: yeah so I was, I was when I saw the question a couple of days ago you know it, it, it got me to thinking it's like huh What was my most challenging approach? Probably the one that I didn't prepare for the most, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's funny how I work in two different airplanes and one of them, there's two of us. So it's, it's, it's CRM, you know, so when you got two people flying an approach, it's, it's, we each have our own duties and we go through and we fly through an approach. And even though we've flown very difficult approaches, it's, it's a different mindset than the single pilot. Yeah, you know, so I also fly a twin and, and doing the single pilot stuff, um, you know, it's it's all weather related and, and coming to a place to where how challenging is this going to be to get back on the ground again? So, you know, just um, ending up at some place I've never been before and, you know, learning an approach by reading it and getting it down. And that's what will change the difficulty level. You know, um, I appreciate the, you know, the... Um, ones that are textually difficult. I mean, you can look at the ones that we've talked about already and just look at them on paper and go, okay, that's a hard approach, you know, and you really got to put your mind to it to think about what it is you're going to do as you're, you're stepping through doing that approach. So, you know, for me, I I think the most complicated approach I've flown lately, and it may not even be the most complicated one is um, um, flying into Eagle, uh, Colorado. So, you know, it's, It's different because now that one um, we do in the Learjet and it's, it's different coming down and descending below terrain level, you know, with, with clouds out. There's nothing like going popping out of a cloud just long enough to see a mountain go by, you know, and, and that kind of gets you thinking about like, okay, I want to make sure that I'm on this approach where I need to be. And, you know, that's, that's where the difficult level comes up. Um, You know, once you're, through the mountains and heading down towards the runway, you're in this big valley and it's, it's, you know, now you're just thinking, okay, what are we going to do if we got to go missed here? Cause there's a big old rock at the other end of the uh, runway. That's that, um, well, going into two five. So, and you avoid that rock if you're going to land um, opposite direction. So, yeah, th- that's kind of what came to me. It was just the difficulty of the preparation, you know, all the things that we learned becoming instrument pilots and, and taking that information and digesting as much of it as I can. What are the possibilities when I get to where I go and am I already familiar with these approaches? And, you know, it will change the difficulty level. Just try it one time that one time where you just didn't study it just close enough. And all of a sudden the controller puts you on this approach that you're like, "Uh Oh,
1: well, thanks. That's a, that's a good one. I mean, they, they, uh, you know preparation is key like you said and uh, kind of brings me into what uh, and I always had a tough time kind of deciding which one I wanted to talk about but but I will say one and the most challenging instrument approach is what what we asked for so I'm going to I'm going to say it's for me to be the RMP 19 at, at DCA that's at Ronald Reagan National Airport and and it's it's more so the fact that this it's it's an authorization required approach, so we have op specs that allows us to do this, and it does have CPDLC by the way, which is awesome. Uh, but there's a couple of things going on here that make it so challenging, and it's not just the approach itself and the arcs. Is the fact that uh, when you actually get to minimums and uh, you click off the autopilot, you're actually in a turn. As you're as you're going towards the runway, and you have to actually make sure that you don't overshoot this runway. It's very easy to overshoot, especially if you have a wind from the right, and uh, and that is that is a big challenge on this one. But but here's here's the real challenge i know that you can have the fms and it flies it for you and you have all these different altitude restrictions with an autopilot heck how hard could it be well you you have a lot of different speed restrictions and you also have the restriction of the airspace where you have two different prohibited areas and if there's any issue with your autopilot or, or if you have any guidance that's wrong or the wind's strong enough you may wind up where you shouldn't be and that's something you have to continually watch and you have to listen also so from that standpoint it's not that tough until you get close to the ground and here you are and you you have to click off your quote-unquote your autopilot right and then you have to be in a turn as you're clicking off the autopilot It just hundreds of feet off the ground you're just talking about 500 feet in a turn and i know that seems like pretty high for the general aviation just think about this in in a a larger jet that a lot of people are doing this in and for us especially in the airplane i fly the biggest thing is the airspeeds is trying to keep those airspeeds so sometimes the most challenging approach uh, may not be the whole approach until you get right down to the minimums, and you have to actually go from uh, the visual acquisition of runway down to a landing, and that actually from a from an IFR standpoint uh, can be a bit of a challenge. Configure, make sure you're listening, make sure you're listening on 21.5 especially. So DC can be a, a bit of a challenge. I had a couple other ones there. I was going to talk a little bit. I was going to talk about Reno, but I thought this one was uh, was a, a lot more challenging. Not more so because of the airspace where Reno is more kind of challenging because of the mountains that are around you. Uh, so that's mine for the RNAV RNP 19 approach. And that's the most challenging as far as an instrument approach. So I kind of want to switch gears here. And I'm going to ask uh, Dean after I kind of relate my uh, most interesting visual approach. I wanted to, you know, we talked about the, the instrument approach. And I, I was like, you know, I really want to talk somewhat about our most challenging visual approach. And I really felt that there were so many out there that we could talk about that we've done in our aircraft and in uh, whatever it is we might fly. And it might be challenging because of the aircraft you operate in uh, into that airport, it might be challenging for many other reasons. So I'll kind of start us off and then I'll let Dean go on on the, the next one. But uh, as far as the most challenging uh, visual approach for me during my day job, is uh the park visual 3-1 into LaGuardia? that's actually a lot of fun and i thought about this you were talking about lean leading lights uh is actually doing a video um showing this approach obviously I'm doing the same i wouldn't do in the airplane because i'll be flying uh but it really becomes a challenge once again the same as as the challenge for uh the approach in the dca where I have a lot of speed changes maximum speeds but we're constantly in a turn and this one's even more pronounced uh, you turn and you're turning final to final approach into runway three one, and you're lining up with the runway in the turn, and you're just like, oh boy, are we gonna make this? And if you have a strong crosswind from, from the left, you're, you're sitting there saying to yourself, what do I do now? Especially if if I don't if I have the autopilot on, because remember when we take the autopilot off, now we got to start doing the correction. Most people fly this with the autopilot on, right? so you're coming down this so there's a couple challenges here number one aligning with the runway and putting the correction as quick as possible being on a shorter runway but the other big one and i and i'll I'll hate to admit this is the fact that there are so many distractions I mean, you got the world's fair off your left and you're sitting there like, "Oh cool, that's the world's fair and I'm in a turn, you know, only a few hundred feet above the ground. I've got the stadium over here, City Field, and I'm so you so are so tempted, right, to look at that instead of looking at the runway. So sometimes, you know, the most challenging approach is presented to us because of all the different distractions and you're looking straight in front of you oh wow there's the Empire State Building well wait a minute we can't think about that we need to land the airplane so there's all this stuff going on so with the most fun doing this approach for me and the the park visual is when I'm sitting in the jump seat or I'm in the simulator because I kind of concentrate so much when I'm actually landing the airplane but it is a challenge it's a lot of fun it's a visual approach uh, for for the bigger airplane that was one uh, and also for the small planes that I fly uh, I used to fly uh, a, a, a little Duchess, uh, Beechcraft Duchess, out of uh, a place called Andover Aeroflex up in New Jersey. And it's a super, super short field. And the, the, the thing about that was a challenge with that, as far as a visual approach, is knowing if, thinking about if I lost an engine, either on the go run or on the takeoff, uh, what I needed to do because of the fact that I had to slow down below the minimum controllable airspeed. So at that point, if I'm below minimum controllable airspeed, I, I have to be really ready to bring that power back. And that's a really hard thing to do so they don't lose control of the aircraft. So that's probably my, my most challenging visual approach is Andover Aeroflex. And in general, even in any airplane, it was it was a lot of fun going in there. So uh, so Dean, I'll follow up. I, I thought those were some really cool little visual approaches. Um, I know you you can fly some really cool areas out there, uh, especially out near the hills and mountains. What, What's the most challenging visual approach that that you do that you can think of?
2: Yes, I've got one in mind when you were talking about that, but I wanted to also comment when you were talking about the RNP-19 into DCA, that was a comment that I got from, you probably remember her, Leslie Cobble, our friends from Hawaii. She she responded back with that very one because she was a, a passenger on an American Airlines flight one time, and she was coming in, and she said she was... Nerding out on that approach, I guess, studying it to see what it's like. Absolutely, so.
1: you know. And, and as an aside on that, I actually, as I was turning final one day, I got I got a wind shear warning because we had some really bad wind shear in there one day. So not only had a couple that with a go around wind shear go around going into dca uh so there's there's all these things you got to think about in your head you're like ah you know you got to concentrate concentrate right as <laughs> the sweat's pouring off of you wow leslie she has an awesome podcast great yep. person yeah uh, great person, yes. and really cool flight school out there so shout out to it i forget the name of the flight school help me out dean Fly Maui, fly maui fly maui thank you fly maui awesome thank you dean anyway go ahead tell us a little more
2: about your visual uh, a, a fun little note, my wife and I are going to go visit them and I'm going to help work on their flight school airplane. So I'm super excited about that. So, uh, But back to that uh, most challenging um, VFR or visual approach. I have not flown this myself and I'm glad I haven't, honestly, because I had been hearing about this little runway at this, this Bryce Resort. And it's a short little runway. I forget how long it is. And it's not far from our Shenandoah Valley Airport, and it's been maybe a couple of months ago. I had an opportunity to ride along in a Cessna 172 with a couple of friends of mine, and they are both flight instructors. And so I rode along in the back, and I was just an observer. And I had thought about going to this airport at some point, but here's my biggest recommendation for myself and everyone else: is if there's an airport that's kind of unusual or out of the ordinary. By all means, if you can, fly it with someone else first. Because when we went down in that valley that day, between the mountains, honestly, it was startling to me. And I was really glad that I had done that with friends who had been there before, rather than trying to venture in there myself the first time. So, I'm going to call that the most challenging visual approach, although I haven't flown it
1: yet myself. So, that was a really interesting one. Bryce Resort. that sounds really interesting. Uh, I have to go look that one up. So, uh, Bill, what is, uh, as far as a visual approach, let's go to Bill English and, uh, ask him, you know, what's the most challenging and, and you can also say most fun too, if you want a uh, visual approach you've done, but let's, let's kind of stick with challenging and, and it can be the most fun also.
3: All right. Well, a little challenging and a little fun too. And, uh, Sky Bryce, a uh, very popular destination for us here too, from the big red flight school. We go in there all the time. I didn't realize you were there at Shenandoah. Um, so you're close by to us. Um, that is a fun one. You kind of can wave through the windows at the folks in the resort. Um, but Carl, I had to uh, I had to come up with this visual approach, um, thinking of you and your love of lighthouses, and that is the light visual to Boston Logan Airport. It actually uses lighthouses ship lighthouses <laughs> there's a couple of them over there you come in from the east and make some turns uh what it does is that there, there's lighthouses out on the islands out in the in the haba and uh it leads you around some environmental uh sensitive areas um around there so um keep the lighthouses just off to your left side wind around those and uh, set you up on final for uh three three to boston pretty tight again like uh you were discussing and really pretty much all of these we've been talking about uh, a lot of low altitude maneuvering um and uh, to get around some uh, some tight, in this case, environmental areas, not so much airspace, but uh, a little challenging there too. It can be real tricky at night. Uh, you know, looking you got lighthouses, ship lights, and all that, and uh, over dark water too. So that can be uh, that can be pretty challenging. The light, it's called the light visual. It is. It's a published visual light visual to Boston.
1: That actually is is really cool. I get to see those lighthouses often because I fly to Boston a lot. Uh, but it's really, it. I say always say to myself, I want to take a boat and go out to see those. And it turns out you can.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you ever did you ever fly that
1: approach then? Uh, no. no, no, no. Unfortunately, the uh, there's one uh, up in uh, Portland. I get to go over, but uh, no, haven't actually uh, been able to do that approach. But uh, neat stuff. I'm gonna ask for it next time, and then I'll say, yeah, no. But uh, <laughs> but I will. I will. I will actually. Re- I'll ask for the approach. No. I, it's Funny you said that. You know, I think I'll I'll give it a shot. Say, hey, can I get the light the visual shot. for three three left? And uh, what can they say? Yes or no? Yeah. That's a that's a good, well, that's good, good yeah I love it, but mm-hmm. uh, anyway thanks for putting that in there because of course as many people know I love lighthouses. Um, my first turnaround a point during my check ride was at a lighthouse, place Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse, which is actually in Florida. Uh, so uh, anyway, Tom, let's talk a little bit about uh, your most challenging uh, visual approach. Uh, it can also be the uh, yeah, most challenging and interesting. How about that?
4: I don't know that. You know, in in my professional flying career, I've not gotten a lot of visual approaches. You know, I've not so any published visual approaches. So it got me to thinking about well, what was one of the hardest ones? And it was actually early on in flying a visual approach. Um, there's a small little airport here in Florida. It's a great destination, um, and it's uh, it's called George T. Lewis. It's up on Cedar Key. You know, and it's it's a it's a tiny little strip. It's it's only twenty three hundred feet long and it's it's water on both ends. And you gotta find this thing on this island and you overfly the field and you finally find it and look at it and go, Oh no, I gotta land there that just doesn't look long enough, you know, and, um, it's plenty long enough. And especially if you're in, you know, you're in a small single engine airplane. So a little Cessna or a Piper or something like that, or a little diamond, you can make it in there easily. The The cool thing about that visual approach is that while you're trying to set all this up and find the place, um, back in the day, um, there used to be a lady named Miss Judy who used to monitor the, the, the CTAF. And as you were flying in there, you would, uh, hear her all of a sudden get on the thing. Y'all need a ride? And, you know, and, and she would buzz on out to the airport and bring you into town where the wharf is so that you can go hit a restaurant and something like that and go back out again, you know, and then it's the, the, the visual departure out of there again. But just finding that place. I'm coming from the south, you hit the west coast and you go up, you know, it's like fly up to the power plant, turn left and go out across the water and, and it, you'll find it. And and sure enough, it works. The, that was that was the directions I got and I'll be danged if it didn't. And work and you know but to find your way in amongst the houses in there to get in and, and realizing what that place looks like you know it was it was a little challenging the first couple times I went in there so um you know my, my instructor at the time had told me like all right you're gonna prove your work today and show me that you can find this place and get in here so that's that's why that one came up for me so you ever get a chance to get to Cedar Key it's, it's worth going to
1: absolutely wow i tell you you got a little nostalgic and a little tear in my eye when you started talking i haven't been in there i think it's been 30 years uh so i i would absolutely love to go back in there uh that that actually was interesting i don't know if that person's still around but you can get picked up at the airport and uh it's uh, just a lot of fun just to circle overhead. I, that's kind of where I got that, circling overhead. It was one of the first airports I flew into in Florida, and it kind of brought you back to old Florida, and it's this is the real cool thing about it. It still is like old Florida. It's like Key West before Key West got weird is what I like to say. Uh, so I, I really would challenge people to try to, to fly in there. Just be careful, like you said. It actually is plenty long. Uh, But it gets a little scary uh, because it's like, gee, this doesn't look that long. And uh, for a small airplane, we definitely definitely can get in and out of there but uh anyway so that's actually what i have i had one more i wanted to talk about that was cedar key and i think you you kind of nailed it on that one and uh, there's a lot of other different ones that we could talk about i'd love to hear from you folks what you think Uh, and uh, go to stuckmikeavcast.com and tell us hey which which airport is the most challenging for you i'd love to hear back Uh, and uh, dean i think this is such a great idea that you had Uh, you know, what the most challenging instrument approach is, because to be honest with you, we have just scratched the surface. I mean, we could talk forever about uh, actually the most challenging approaches. But one thing I wanted to do, you know, we usually have a pick of the week. We don't have one this week, but I really want to kind of uh, talk about your podcast for you coming on here. I really appreciate that, Dean. Uh, so uh, tell us a little, just a little bit more, like what can I expect as a listener to your podcast and uh, and where can we find it again, Dean? Well, uh, the website is
2: airplaneownermaintenance.com and I've also got a little... Uh, speak pipe little thing on the side of the website page there. Always love when people click that and leave me a voice message. So if you want to get in touch, you can do that. Or also have an email, Dean at airplaneownermaintenance.com. But what you'll find on the podcast is you will find a lot of stories about maintenance problems and issues that I have discovered as I've worked on general aviation airplanes over the years, mostly piston-powered airplanes, and how we work through all those. And then I also have a lot of stories I've had some guests on, and I try to share a lot of inspiration, both for maintenance and for flying. And some of our local, we have a really strong local EAA group in this Shenandoah Valley that's really great. And so it's it's full of a lot of maintenance topics and flying topics and aviation stories.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And I tell you what, I really think it, it is inspirational, but I've learned a lot from it. And, uh, and I think that's that's really important. Not only is it fun is it fun, and you know, you're just such a well-spoken person and you have a lot to say uh, but what's really cool is how many the, the good and the bad stories you share too you know I think that's really cool uh, and uh, it's not just inspirational it kind of gives you you know a little bit of ways of navigating around some of the challenges of owner maintenance and that type of thing and that's that's actually that's what I like about it and Dean we'd love to have you back on the show again if, if uh, you'd like to come back we really appreciate it well
2: thanks I, I really appreciate that yeah this has been fun and you reminded me of something Something. Some of my stories are things that I have done when I have messed up. So, yes, I like to share those, too, because I think they're learning experiences, both for me and for other people. And uh, I, I think we always appreciate it when we share. I know when I went to flight school, we had this thing called S.Y.E., share your experience. And it was always helpful when we were able to humble ourselves and share those blunders that we made in hopes that it would help somebody else so
1: absolutely absolutely again dean thanks so much we're gonna have uh links in the show notes to everything that we talked about even some of those airports and approach plates we'll put those in the show notes too and also if you're someone that wants to become a mechanic maybe possibly uh, win an airplane we just go visit our friends at tailwindwaymakers.org Uh, You know what they're doing? Because they're sponsors of the podcast, they are actually giving away 50 scholarships guides. And uh, Tailwind Waymakers, they actually are helping people fund their aviation dreams through this really interesting way. They're giving away an airplane. So when you join as a member, it actually puts you into this drawing for an aircraft. Uh, Tailwindwaymakers.org are the ones that can get you a free scholarships guide by going at stuckmikeavcast.com slash scholarships. And uh, and that actually helps fund also this, this show and it allows us to bring this to you folks. Also, one quick thing, don't forget we're going to be at Sun and Fun. Uh, I'm not sure which of our co-hosts are going to be there, but if you come and visit me, I will be having, I know Tom will be there. Uh, I think uh, Bill is going to be there definitely. Uh, Oh, uh, there might some. We're not going to say yes or no about some of the other co-hosts yet because they're still working on it. Uh, But do stop by and say hi because another interesting thing is that uh, we've actually have an office now over at sun and fun and this new uh, thing called elevate and it's a business incubator and we're giving a couple of uh, tours uh, private tours is not open to the public during the show uh so if you're interested in that uh just kind of send us an email go to stuckmikeavcast.com contact us and let us know if you want to come say hi to us we're going to be on the deck at sun and fun radio that's gonna be a lot of fun you can listen to them right now actually at liveatc.net slash snf but most importantly, uh, when you start looking at this podcast and other ones, is is try to become part of this community, this aviation community, and share with everybody else what your experiences are. Sometimes it's hard to put it out there. Uh, you look at all of us here on this podcast and with varying different experiences and varying different areas of aviation, and we are always constantly learning. So what I would challenge you to do is, after you turn off this podcast, is go look at the most challenging approach that you had, and what did you learn from that and what you could do for me is constantly every day try to improve yourself as a pilot and that's what we we really want to put forth here at Stuck Mike Avcast is make you a better uh, pilot mechanic person and uh, and enjoy aviation more so and make it safer because of that but do me a favor get out there try something new look up the approach that's most challenging fly it on a simulator and tell us a little bit about that well from us here at the podcast and uh, everybody else that has helped us put this together over the past year or so i really appreciate you and we will hopefully see you at sun and fun safe flying out there take care
0: you've been listening to the stuck mike abcast